Hi guys, and welcome to the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has for over 15 years delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by Gratisfied, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. I am so happy to announce that our crowd-pleasing grain-free Gratisfied bar is now available. It is made with nut seed superfoods, easy to digest egg white protein, baked with coconut oil, and sweetened with some coconut nectar and monk fruit. It is my new favorite thing, and I am so excited to share it with you. We also have our Empower Bar Baking Mixes, which come in both original and cacao, and provides you the ability to make your own healthy nutrition bars at home. It's super easy and convenient with minimal ingredients. But the baking mixes do so much more from cookies to cakes to pie crusts, breads, muffins, you name it. I have all Empower Baking Mix recipes on my online magazine, healthified.com. And for a discount off of any of my Gratisfied products, visit gratisfied.com and use the promo code healthified at checkout. Also, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would be so grateful if you could scroll down and submit a rating or review. Five stars is awesome and very much appreciated. But of course, honest feedback is also welcome. Today's guest is Sophie Shepard, founder of She Talks Health and creator of the She Talks Health podcast. Sophie is a functional diagnostic nutrition certified coach who helps women transform their hormone gut and thyroid health using a combination of root cause functional lab testing, transformation, subconscious mindset, reprogramming, and diet and lifestyle science. Sophie and her team partner with you to create a holistic approach to bringing your body and mind back into balance. Her mission is to revolutionize the way women claim their health and slay old stories of being sick in sick bodies. In our conversation, we discuss how gut health, hormonal health and mental health are all related, the connection between our emotional world and that of our physical world, moving, working, eating, and living in alignment with your menstrual cycle with digestible takeaways to start applying this information to your life today, the foundational aspects of health she works with her clients first before anything else, the nutritional gap she sees the most and why she wishes people would eat more. Let's head to our chat. Sophie, welcome to the Healthified Podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I know this is going to be a great and informative conversation. I'll be completely honest. When I was researching you and kind of the questions that I wanted to ask, I was like, oh my gosh, this conversation could go in so many amazing directions. Um, So I'm kind of excited to see how it will flow because just kind of looking at your website and your Instagram, you just, you talk all the things. And I think um, you're just going to be an amazing point person, especially for women. Um, So for those of you listening, this is Sophie Shepard. She is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and NLP certified life coach who helps women transform their hormone, gut and thyroid health. Um, So with that short intro, Sophie, will you just kick us off and tell us a little bit more about yourself, your story and how you got to where you are? Yeah. I love that you say, I talk about all the things and I, you know, I, my company, she talks health. <laughs> for oh yeah. Duh. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and it's funny cause I used to mostly just talk about period health, but what I found with my clients and with myself is that all the thyroid, the gut and, and our cycles are so connected and that you really can't mm-hmm. talk about one without the other. And, um, that's kind of how I got into this in the first place. I was definitely not, uh, born thinking I was going to be a 
a health coach or read functional labs and help people in this deep way. But my health um, really crashed. I had a diagnosis of IBS at age 16. I always say, if you remove that eye, you have your diagnosis. It's just kind of, (laughs) yes. Yeah. Um, and, but I didn't know any better. So I just kind of followed the doctor's orders and suffered, you know, with chronic gut, every gut issue you could think symptom you could think of. I had it every day. (laughs) And, uh, that was my life through high school and college. And then I, um, I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's when I was 22, which is autoimmune disease of the thyroid. Um, and during that time I was in a really, um, tough, uh, uh, verbally abusive relationship. So there's just a lot of stress and, a lot of trauma. And I, I mean, I was like, all the gut issues were still there, but like my hair was falling out. I was 30, 35 pounds overweight. I had, um, I was on birth control at the time. And when I came off of it, my cycles were horrible, just like so painful. I ended up getting an ovarian cyst that sent me to the hospital and they had to keep me overnight. So I wouldn't like bleed out. I mean, just like everything, fatigue, depression. I mean, just, just whole body kind of shut down situation. Um, and that's when I found, um, functional medicine because my regular doctor basically told me like, there's nothing more I can do for you. You're, you're completely normal on the labs. You just have to take your medication. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Mm. So it's been, so that was like, I fired her. I was, you know, I like, I I feel like I'm 80 years old, you know? So I got, um, I got a functional medicine doctor who really just kind of turned everything around for me and taught me about the lab work and my gut health and that working on my gut would impact my thyroid and then taught me how to get off, you know, kind of taught me how to get off birth control. Um, and just all these things I had never been exposed to. I always thought like you could just take medication to kind of, you know, fix everything. Um, and it wasn't working for me anymore. And so I turned to this alternative holistic way of healing and, um, a few, like, few years later, I, I decided to make a business out of it and kind of never looked back since. Um, and now, yeah. you know, hundreds of women with their period, their thyroid, their gut and their mental health. I mean, it's all the body is so connected and we're all struggling in similar ways. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's been a wild ride that was brought on really because my body said enough is enough and I got to feel better. Yeah. And I feel as if I must be attracting guests to this podcast in order to share this message a little bit more loudly, because I feel as if your story, it's a common theme, right? Like you go through these health struggles, you turn to the conventional medical system, it fails you or it falls short. um, And then you're thank goodness, rerouted on this path towards functional medicine, whether that's like an intuitive ping or someone suggests that you go see this person instead. And so I just think that you are in the right place helping women, given that you have been in that place before. And, you know, I even told a guest this this morning that you just need more practitioners who have been through something like that in order for there to be more powerful ways to help people because you understand you have that level of understanding and that compassion. Um, and I feel like those make the best teachers and practitioners. So Mm. I think that's amazing. You were able to kind of turn your struggles, um, into your life's work. Um, I, you know, I think it's funny that you said the, 
thing about the IBS being BS. And I just remember having this friend in high school and I feel as if like you could have been kind of telling her story because you're right back when we were going through high school and even in college, like that, it almost was like that diagnosis was given out like candy, but that, that was kind of the end of the road in terms of what doctors knew to do next. Um, and I'm sure there's still people out there right now listening or whatever that have just received that diagnosis or are struggling with their gut health. And they're given that broad term diagnosis and they don't know what to do with it. So what would your be the best advice for people um, who was kind of like yourself in similar shoes in order to find healing in a more impactful way? Yeah, I think it, it really starts with self-advocacy first and mm. foremost. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to say very bluntly, if you're having, you know, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, gas, acid reflux, pain in your stomach, and, and like, there's no solution given to you, right? Like we have to find a different way. So I just want to like say, I know how I know that for me, I got so used to it. Yeah so, so used to it that I was like, oh, this is just normal. And it wasn't until I was like doubled over in pain from drinking water that my mom and my boyfriend were like, this is not normal. So just recognizing like, this is not something you have to deal with is the very first step. Secondly, the reason I say it's BS is because there is always a root cause. And when we look at the gut, there's really, you know, a few different things. There's there's definitely a high incidence of yeast, bacterial, and and uh, back, uh, parasite. Sorry, parasite yeah. overgrowth on every client's lab that I get. <laughs> like every wow. single map that I get, they have one of the three, or all three, or two of the three. So those pathogens can come in, and they can cause all those symptoms. Secondly, what makes you a good host for them to take up stock in your gut? Because we're all exposed. You're not doing anything wrong. Like the parasites and stuff can live on our food, just like on kale, right? Like super healthy. But what is making you a good host? Usually it's related to stress or things like, you know, hormonal birth control or antidepressants that might be like lowering your, uh, your systems and, and lowering your vitamins and your minerals. So, um, again, nothing that you've done wrong, but looking at like, am I in a place where I am not really healthy? Am I staying up super late? Am I super emotionally stressed out? Am I eating poorly? Am I drinking a lot? Those things let the bugs that are very intelligent know, oh, Hey, like party in Sophie's gut. Like this is, a yeah. good, you know, set up camp. Right. Um, and so that's something to really think about. Cause it's like the lifestyle. It's not just about like a parasite cleanse. Like I see that all the time on TikTok, and I'm like, that's great. But like, why is it staying there in the first place? Um, And, and so those are kind of the things I would be looking at is like, yes, get the testing, but also this is why I'm a coach. It's like, we want to coach people through like creating a holistic, healthy lifestyle for themselves. And that's going to be different for everybody. Um, But that's where we see change over time and can clear these infections. Even if you're not, if you're, if you're not stressed out, like if if we're managing stress and we're supporting the vagus nerve and regulating nervous system, those bugs are going to not stand as much of a chance in terms of like getting eradicated and and getting kicked out. Ah, learn something new every day. I, that's so (laughs) cool. cool. And I want to get back to the testing piece in a little bit, but, um, you know, kind of what you shared with your story and even reading, um, the more elaborate story on your website, you to me are a living example that proves the importance of kind of looking at health from a holistic perspective. Um, through your experience, what did you 
learn about the connection between your emotion. You just cut out there. What the connection between what? Oh, sorry. Um, yes. Your um, what did you learn in your experience about the connection between your emotional world and that of your physical health? Oh, baby, this is a big <laughs> topic. Um, this is the yeah. stuff I love to talk about though. I know <laughs> me too. It's really, it's really important. And so I, th- let me say this, it is, it is the connection. It is everything. Yeah. And it has taken me a long time to recognize that. And I think the reason it took me a long time to recognize it was because I went through the functional medicine route of supplements and diet change first. And I, I felt such a big difference. But what I have to remember is I also, as soon as I got some strength back, I ditched that guy that I was dating that was, you know, telling me that I wasn't worthwhile in every way he could possibly tell me. Right. And what preceded the gut issues, anxiety, like anxiety about performing well in school and getting into college. I mean, there was so much pressure, you know, I think we're put under so much pressure at that time in our lives. Um, so my, my message really is like, if you skip the emotional part, you're skipping, uh, potentially like the, the real root cause of like why you're having physical manifestation. And it's not, um, I think for a long time, I also thought, oh, that's kind of woo woo. Like, how are they connected? But here, let me explain like how this is actually physically, how your emotions are physically connected. And there's incredible resources out there too, um, on, on like more of the science here, but the way that I like to think about it is. So say that, you know, you are me, you're in high school and you're, you're, um, seeing, uh, you're hearing a lot that it's really important to get into college and you need to do everything in your pop in your possibilities to get into college. Right. Yeah. So you, what happens that is an external stress that you internalize as, oh my gosh, I need to, you know, kill it. I need to like take all the AP classes. I need to do all the things right. To like make sure that I get into college, because if I don't get into college, then I'm not going to make money. And if I don't make money, then I'm going to be a failure or I'm not going to be worthy or I'm going to be homeless. Right. Like, I mean, it's a survival thing. Yeah. It becomes a survival thing and not for everybody, but everyone has different triggers. And for me, I think that certainly was part of like the subconscious mind, right. These thoughts that you're having that you can't even sometimes realize you're having. And so that drives action and it drives hormones. So what is our stress hormones, cortisol, right? So mm-hmm. you, you know, we have this, uh, it's supposed to be an adaptive response to stress, like a tiger comes in or a bear and you, you get your fight or flight system on your, on your, uh, in your nervous system to switch on so that you can run away from that fear. But what's happened in, in our modern society is it's become a maladaptive response to stress because every single day we're getting stress signals from our boss, from our teachers, from our parents, from life, from the news, from, you know, a pandemic, from inflation. I mean, there's so many things kind of coming in at us. And then that releases that cortisol um, response. Now, cortisol short-term is actually anti-inflammatory cortisol long-term is very inflammatory and very, what's called like catabolic, meaning like to break down the body. So you're having Mm. stressors come in, you are filtering what is a stressor, right? Because your experience is going to be totally different than my experience based off of our, the way we were brought up, right? Like something that's stressful to you may not be stressful to me. 
Right. And we, we see this, right? Like, even if we do talk about the pandemic, like people's responses to it were very different, right? And that's just because right. of the filtering and the way that they were brought up, right? So you have all these, you know, this these switches that are turning on, this cortisol that's releasing. And over time, that's creating inflammation. Now, that inflammation is going to go wherever your body tells it to go. Sometimes it's genetic. So that could go to your gut. You could go to your thyroid. You could get MS, right? Like I just had someone on my mm. podcast talking about, how she recovered MS naturally, right? It's not something you hear wow. again, but right. you best believe that emotions and stress were a huge part of it for her. So, mm. you know, and then, so then from there, you're just looking at all these body systems trying to put out fires because the cells are working so hard to combat that cortisol and that inflammation. And that's where you see someone like me where I had anxiety, but I also had fatigue and I also had hair loss and I also had weight gain and I also had gut issues. Right. Because my body systems was like, ah, where do we go? We don't have enough cellular energy to even fight back. So, um, I just don't believe like we're living in a world where people don't have subconscious beliefs and things that are going on that are triggering anxiety and stress. I, I just think, you know, I talked to so many women and it's just a huge thread. So that's how it's connected on a very scientific physio physiological way. Yes. And, um, and I love kind of what you said about the filtering aspect of things. And I talk a lot about this in my counting colors philosophy and how like, you know, my personal story and I, and I go into detail about this in an online course in a book, but, um, you know, that something having to do with body and food was very triggering for me, given certain experiences that I had growing up that might not have been triggering for other people, because it's that lens that we filter it through, which is why you can't really have these blanket approaches to, um, to health or weight or food or whatever, because you have to kind of deal with everyone's different emotional environments because they play a large role in health and in just food relationships in general. So I love how that you, you spoke to that. Um, but I would be curious how health and nutrition and wellness was talked about in your upbringing. Um, and if, when you got to a certain age, did you kind of have to carve your own path with it, so to speak, or did you kind of always have, um, some sort of foundation from growing up? Um, I love my parents, but no, <laughs> no. um, there was really not any kind of structured conversations around wellness and, and that kind of thing. I mean, I certainly, my mom is certainly like enjoys yoga and enjoys, um, those types of things, but she, she didn't necessarily like force me to do anything. You know what I mean? She kind of just like, let me learn on my own. And I don't think that like the learning environment at school was like set up for, for that. Like we're eating even like really terrible foods at the cafeteria. So, right. um, when I, when I met my functional medicine doctor, by the time I had gotten there, I was basically intolerant to all food. So, um, or seemingly, so he put me on the autoimmune, uh, uh autoimmune protocol and yeah. that's a very extreme diet. Um, it changed my life and I'm so grateful for it, but I remember like coming home and trying to tell my parents what I would be eating and what I wouldn't. And they were like, this is crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, um, I don't think that I really, I didn't know anything. I didn't even really know how to cook. You know, I had to learn all of that kind of crash course when my, my health was burning out. 
Wow. For someone who is not familiar with the AIP or autoimmune protocol, can you explain quickly what that is? Because um, I feel as if when I hear stories like yours and someone discovers it, it can be very life-changing, but um, again, yes, very restrictive. So I would love to kind of hear from you what it is and then how you navigate that in your lifestyle. Yeah. So AIP is something that was developed to help as a more blanket option for people with chronic, um, autoimmune inflammation. So with autoimmunity, basically we're saying that your immune system is attacking healthy cells. And that just depends on the cell depends on which, you know, genetic pathways are turned on. So for me, it was thyroid, but again, it could be like MS or something like that. So you could use it for really any autoimmune process to see if it would help you. And it is a diet, um, a lifestyle in, in a sense that excludes all the common inflammatory foods. And so those foods are legumes, nuts, seeds, caffeine, sugar, alcohol, uh, all grains, including gluten, um, dairy. So you're basically eating animal protein and vegetables. You remove nightshades though. So tomatoes and peppers and potatoes, Um, and no eggs. So it's like very, it's like extreme paleo. (laughs) It's not like the best way. Almost sounds like carnivore. Yeah, it is almost carnivore, except for with carnivore. A lot of people, you know, they don't eat any, they don't believe in eating vegetables. So it's a very, it's like half your plate is vegetables. Um, you can eat fruit too. You just want to be mindful not to like eat like a whole pineapple and dysregulate your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it basically just calms down the immune response in the, in the body. And so that gives your body a chance to heal. And it's really only something that I use with clients who don't have a history of an eating disorder. Cause that's really triggering. And two are fully like intolerant to all foods or like really dealing with like, um, Hashimoto's like me or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're really willing to try it. Cause it's, it's very, it can be life-changing. I've had clients do it who dropped like 500 antibody points, which is like the measurement of how, how much your immune system is kicking up. Um, I had a client who's like Hashimoto's antibodies were too, too numerous to count. And one of the things we did, one of the interventions was to do, do this along with emotions oh my gosh. and everything else. But anyway, she dropped her antibodies by like over 500 points. Um, and like lost 25 pounds, brain fog was gone, started going to the bathroom, like total life change. Right. Um, yeah. and then the trick is to kind of reintroduce the foods after that, to see like what, um, what foods you're really, truly intolerant to, and what can you add back in? Cause it's obviously not sustainable long-term to be on that restrictive of a diet. Right. And, you know, and I think even with something not that restrictive, and I would love to hear how you navigate real life with even just caring about good nutrition and living a healthy lifestyle, but then wanting that balance in life, whether it's going out to eat or navigating parks parties or going to, um, someone's house for, um, dinner or whatever. Like when I was health coaching full-time, you know, we talked the lifestyle piece like that a lot because it's really easy to abide by your routine or your nutritional protocol when you're just making all meals, you know, and I, and I kind of joke about how, um, obviously quarantine and the pandemic is nothing to joke about, but I'm like my digestive issue totally went away during quarantine because I was making all of my own food when like, mm-hmm. it's pretty much guaranteed if I go out to eat in a restaurant, like I'm going to experience some digestive distress the next day. Um, even if I just like, you know, you just don't know what 
oils they're using or what's in the salad dressings or whatever. Like you could eat really clean, but like, you just don't know if it's like cooked in grapeseed oil or what have you. Um, so I, you know, even with something that's not that restrictive, like, do you have these conversations with your clients on how to like, kind of create that balance with real life, um, while still adhering to those things that make them feel good? Yeah, I think it's, it's, again, it's so individual because, uh, everyone's, first of all, everyone's willingness to commit to doing that, like to mm. any sort of program is very different. Like I have clients who are like following it to a T and then I have clients who are not really willing to follow, follow it to a T and, and honestly, the results show for themselves. Right. So I see like the most improvement when we are being more careful and more supportive that way. But then what it is, is like, this shouldn't be so some, I, I like try to help them find out what are their non-negotiables. So for mm-hmm. me, like non-negotiables are gluten and, um, currently cow dairy. Mm-hmm. So those are like, and soy does not feel great either, but like, I can totally eat rice. I can totally eat potatoes. I can totally, you know, eat all those foods. Right. I just yeah. like to make sure I'm getting enough protein and other veggies in. So, you know, that doesn't mean like this weekend I went out and I had a fried, um, like gluten-free fried cod, like fish and chips. Right. And a gluten-free beer. And I totally enjoyed that. And I think that that's totally normal. And you have to find the balance. I think when you're in like an initial healing phase, it can be really helpful to kind of like cut out some of those more fried things or, um, you know, eat at home more often if you can, just so that you can give your body the chance to reset. Cause then when you introduce things, it shouldn't be as reactive. And then you can find that balance for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's really where I think it's good is like, can we do something that's a little bit more contained for a few months and then, and work on the herbs to, you know, work on your gut and whatever else needs help. And then like, feel like, cause I just had a conversation with my client about this and she was like, do you think it's okay if I have wine? I was like, I think you need to like allow yourself to enjoy your life, you know? Yes. Because yeah. if you stress like that, that's going to be the same problem all over again, like in a loop. If you are like overly, uh, what's the right word? Like hypervigilant. Yes. Or like rigid. And yes. And that's what people need to realize is that stressing over it and having that cortisol, um, is going to do more harm than good than if you were just to kind of like, and again, those extreme cases where you really need to be kind of regimented for a certain amount of time in order to heal the gut or whatever, that's, um, aside from the fact of that, type of situation, but when you're looking for sustainability with like good health practices, then that's where you really, I love that non-negotiable, um, Mm -hmm. philosophy. That's good. Um, so that's a good segue into, um, talking about kind of, I noted on your website that you said in about in your about page that after six years of following good health practices, um, dot, dot, dot. Like what are, what are your like core health practices that you find yourself following day to day? Mm, Okay. Great questions. Um, hydration comes to mind Mm -hmm. first, actually like dehydrated right now. And I'm like, I need to get some more water. Um, hydration is really important. So, and I put like salt in my water. Um, everyone's low in sodium, almost everyone's low in sodium on, on the HDMA. Um, so I always do that or like an LMNT packet, something hydration wise, and I'm aiming for half my body weight in fluid ounces per day. So just basic, but like really important. And I really feel it when I don't hydrate. Um, second would be something or many things to regulate the nervous system and the stress response. So for me, I kind of have like a Rolodex of things I like. So I like breath work. I like meditation. I like visualizations. I like walks in nature. I like, um, 
like there's, if I'm having a really hard time, um, you can do like fate, an ice bath or like a cold compress on your face. Um, something to like help you with any sort of anxiety or, or nervousness. Um, so like something to calm down your body. So I do something like that every morning, um, yeah. to kind of help set my day up for success. And also because my day is not for everybody else before it's for me. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, Good point. Amen. I mean, I just think as women, we are being asked to be like CEOs and moms and employees and daughters. And like, there's so many things like we're asked to be super women right now. And it's yeah. unrealistic to expect us to do that without filling up our cup first. So whatever right. that looks like for you to fill up your cup, that could be something totally different than what I shared, but those things really help me. Um, and then eating protein and healthy fats first thing in the morning. It's really important. You gotta get your blood sugar balanced first thing in the morning. Otherwise, you're gonna have trouble sleeping, you're gonna be hangry, anxiety, all those fatigued. So yeah. I'm definitely trying to get something in it, whether that's like eggs and avocado, um, maybe some gluten-free toast if I'm feeling mm-hmm. it, or yeah, um, whatever that may be. Sometimes it's like a chicken sausage hash or something with some veggies. Um, something to kind of get me set up for the day. Um, so those are really non-negotiables. Um movement of some kind. Um, so this is probably the hardest one for me. Cause I like, don't like going to the gym at all, <laughs> but yeah. I found a good trainer up here who does like workout class with a bunch of women. So weight training is really important, especially with Hashimoto's. It's really important mm-hmm. to prioritize weight training over cardio. So, um, that just is going to stress your body out more. So you want to put on more muscle so that you can burn more fat when you have Hashimoto's cause you're already dealing with metabolism issues. Got so it. I'll try to weight lift or a couple times a week, um, walk, hike, things like that. Um, and then just trying to get some good rest, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely feel it when you, when you haven't slept. So I'm um, trying to get to bed and, and ideally, you know, go to sleep around 10 or 11 and wake up around six or seven. Right. Um, some people yeah. are different. There's the whole talk on chronotypes. So that's really interesting, but mm-hmm. the very least trying to get eight hours of sleep is really important. Yeah. I love those. And I think it's so cool what you said about the coldness on your face. I was actually just talking to my therapist about this because we're working on like calming my nervous system. And I told her I did my like gua sha on my ice mask every morning. And she's like, that's really good. Calming your nervous system is to put something cold on your face. And I was like, who knew? <laughs> I thought I was just doing it for vanity purposes to deep off, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I did it this, this morning. Honestly, I'm like looking over at my below bowl with my uh, washcloth and it like almost immediately just, I felt like really connected to my feet, like grounded mm-hmm. versus like, um, sometimes, you know, you start the day and you're just like thinking about everything you have to do. And it's more like heady, you know, you're like in- anxiety or yeah. even like busyness. Um, yeah. so it just helped me like drop down back into my body. Mm, I love that. Um, um, yeah, nature walking in nature does that for me too. So I feel like after this podcast, I'm going to go hike my trail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're I think those are me. all those are really good ones that anyone can do. And I mean, I also definitely, I'm always working on my emotional state and like my beliefs, subconscious beliefs, all of that. Um, that's a bigger conversation of like all the tools that are involved there, but that's something that I'm, I'm also always really doing because I know that my internal state dictates my external state, my physical body. Shifting gears. I do want to kind of focus on what you focus on and that's kind of the hormonal health, um, gut health side of things. And, you know, I, I've 
been in this world for a while and I love everything nutrition, but I feel as if when it is looked through the lens of hormonal health, I always shied away from it for some reason, you know, you hear that term, Elisa Vitti's term cycle sinking, um, which I just read her book last month. And I think if I had read it any sooner, it wouldn't have resonated with me, but for some cast before, like over the winter and stuff, I was kind of, um, dealing with like low mood and hormonal issues and fatigue and all these things. And I feel like information was what I needed to read right then. So I started dabbling in it, but it, I, I have a hard time, like sustaining something like that, um, for the long haul. So I would love to hear kind of your take on nutrition and movement and just living in sync with your menstrual cycle. Um, is it something that you always encourage? Is it something that you live by every day? Talk to us a little bit more about that. Well, I'm so glad you actually phrased it this way. This is, this is a way better conversation to have. (laughs) I, so I have a program called she thrives and, and part of it is like an educational series where we drip out things. And when I was making it, I thought about cycle syncing because a lot of people come to me with hormone hormonal imbalances. And here's the, here's the truth from my experience working with a lot of people with a lot of issues, including hormones. Uh Uh-huh. If you don't, if you skip the foundations and you go, um, to this, this, the sinking of the cycle or the, you know, living in sync with your cycle first, sometimes it can be overwhelming for certain women. Um, because it's like, they've never even really even been in touch with their body at all, let alone their cycle. (laughs) Yeah. Um, some of those foundational things, we, we definitely start with those first. Like I really want their nervous system regulated. I really want them sleeping. I really want them eating enough protein, fat, and fiber and like crowding out some of the more inflammatory foods, not as extreme as AIP. Don't worry. Like usually not that bad, but, um, I want them to start talking kindly to themselves. I want them to be hydrated. I want them to run the GI map and the HTMA and see where their mineral minerals are at and where their gut is at and start working on those things. Because when we do those, then the hormones are the last to kind of change and shift. So that's personally my process. Then I teach them at the end cycle syncing, because for me, that was the order that made the most sense for my own healing journey. And when I read, um, different books around cycle syncing, it was overwhelming the first time I read because I was like, oh, I have to remember to like eat this food at this week and then not eat this right. food other time. And that was just really hard for my brain. So that part of it, like the specificity of that, I often find comes way later, kind of like what you said, like you've been in this for a long time. So then you're like, oh, this is kind of a cool thing to add on. Yeah. Um, so some things though, that I think are really incredibly important to think about that um, I think are hopefully not overwhelming, but are more something that someone could embrace is really understanding like the concept that we are not the same every single day as mm, menstruating females. Yeah. Cause we have a tendency to put so much perfectionism, so much, uh, guilt on ourselves for not getting things perfect and not being, not showing up the same way that men do. And the truth is, is that we are not the same as men. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like they have the same yeah. hormones every single day. Light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't, we just don't. And, and I think the, so it's first understanding that. And then second understanding that that's not necessarily a bad thing or a negative thing. However, we are living in a patriarchal male dominant 
nine to five hustle culture society. Yeah. So that is hard for a lot of people. And how can we still use the wisdom of our bodies to create it as a superpower and not a hindrance? And so I think first understanding that, so we stop trying to compare ourselves to men, like their productivity, whatever. Like I, I struggle with this with my husband. He's so like, he's like, he can sleep like five hours. He's like a machine. Yeah. I'm like, I need more rest, you know? And I, yeah. I don't want to guilt myself about that. So, so those things, and then, um, maybe I can talk about some, some pull, maybe pull out a few things that I have found to be really helpful that I do do every, every day or every month. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love for you to just kind of walk us through, um, for someone who's just not familiar with this, um, concept, what the different phases of the cycle are and what is happening with our hormones in each. Oh yeah. Cool. Okay. So we have four phases in our cycle. We have the menstrual follicular ovulatory and the luteal. A lot of people like to sync these with seasons, which I think is really beautiful because it's exactly how it feels if you're paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. So menstrual is like your inner winter, your quiet time, of the luteal is the fall. Um, ovulation is going to be your summer and then follicular is going to be your spring. Mm -hmm. So if we think about how we feel during those times, it really helps, I think, to like kind of link up to what's going on every month. Yeah. Um, right home. Yeah. So, so let's start with, um, the follicular phase. So spring, what do we do in spring? We create things blossom. It's renewal, right? We're kind of shaking off the stagnancy of winter. Um, so this is like where hormonally our hormones are just starting to rise again. Our pituitary, um, and our hypothalamus in our brain are starting to signal down to the ovaries. Hey, like, let's get ready for, um, creating, some, creating a, a potential baby, right? Even if yeah. that's not your goal, that's what your brain and your body's doing. Um, and side note, this is why hormonal birth control is so effective. It stops the communication between your brain and your ovaries so that you're oh, not wow. going to ovulate and have uh-huh. an ovulatory event and then not have a period. Um, okay. So you're, so physiologically your body is like, um, signaling for the FSH, uh, which is follicle stimulating hormone to the ovaries to help your follicles grow. And then one follicle is going to be chosen at ovulation. So as this is happening, your estrogen is also building. And that's why coming out of your period, say cycle day three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. you're going to start feeling more energy and more happiness. Yes. Yeah. Also tied to serotonin, our happy chemical in our brain. So that's why like, we feel like we're on our period. We're kind of like, Oh, and then you're like, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm awake again. It's spring. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you're blossoming, right? The hills are alive. The hills yeah. are alive. Yeah. There's some really funny memes about that. Um, <laughs> so- oh, damn. I thought I was being creative. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then, so that, that phase is typically, um, you know, around, um, seven, seven to 10 days, it can be Mm -hmm. a little bit longer for some people or a little bit shorter. Um, and then we get summer and we're ovulating and it feels pretty similar to kind of the follicular phase, just more energy because again, your hormones are peaking at this time. So estrogen peaks with this hormone called luteinizing hormone, that LH surge is going to release, uh, the developed egg into the fallopian tube. So, um, you've been basically creating this follicle that's been growing and growing and growing. And then the egg kind of pops out of the follicle. And, um, of course that's when we're most fertile and our, our bodies are, um, 
you know, potentially going to get pregnant if we're, if we're trying for that, or if we're not careful, um, our testosterone is really high. So this is where we're like feeling our, hopefully our best, like our skin, our face even changes, um, to literally make us more attractive. It's like wild. Crazy. Yeah. Um, So hormonally, you know, estrogen and testosterone are really running the show, mostly estrogen. And you're like really feeling yourself. You're like, I don't go, go all out. I want to have sex. I want to do whatever, you know, like you're just like, this is your inner summer, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And then, um, in the fall, you know, what happens in the fall, we start to kind of start to go inward a little bit and get things get a little bit colder, um, in terms of like, you know, hunkering down and wanting to like kind of nestle in. So for the first week, so the luteal phase, the fall is, is the longest one and -hmm. it can really last, um, like, uh, you know, 12 to 16 days. Okay. Um, so the first week of that or so, or even a little bit more, you might still be feeling really like high off of the, the ovulation. Like that doesn't just, it doesn't, well, hopefully doesn't just drop right off a cliff. Yeah. Um, but hormonally, basically after that mature follicle has released the egg and you ovulate, there's a temporary gland that's created, which is so cool that our bodies create a temporary gland every month called the yeah. corpus And this corpus luteum is where we create the hormone progesterone. And so what we want in the second half of the cycle is progesterone to be uh, higher and higher ratio than estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, and progesterone is going to make us start to feel more tired, um, more, hopefully more relaxed. It, it acts on the brain receptors, the GABA receptors to help us feel a sense of calm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, progestation, progestation hormone. So if you do get pregnant during that time, that's the hormone is going to take over for that first trimester to help you with that baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then after that, once the body realizes it is not pregnant, um, in the case of most of our monthly cycles, the, um, the body's just going to say, okay, we're going to start over. So estrogen progesterone's kind of just drop off a cliff, which is why you feel so tired and irritable. Yes. Um, and your body is really, and this is so interesting in the menstrual phase, we always think of it as this horrible thing that's shameful and all these things, but actually it's beautiful. Like we are like the most intuitive during this time. And if we give ourselves space, mm. like we can get so many downloads. How did the month go? What do you want next month? Um, and, and really give ourselves some space, but we're just living in such a hustle time that it's hard to create that space for ourselves. Um, so yeah. hormonally, our hormones are at the lowest during our menstrual, uh, phase and during bleeding, which is anywhere from three to seven days, um, for, for a normal cycle. And then you start the process all over again. Yeah. Um, it's a crazy like literally like a little roller coaster that we go on every single month, which is why we are not the same. Right. And I think, yeah. And I think my biggest takeaways from all of that information had to do with the productivity piece and the movement piece. And because, and I said this on a podcast before, but, um, you know, I have my business and my husband, um, is sort of like my business partner in it. And, you know, there's like those times where we would have like strategy meetings or whatever. And I would like kind of reflecting back over them, I would be like, gosh, why are some of our meetings like great and like high energy and we're getting along and we're bouncing off ideas and we're in sync. And then some are literally like, I want to punch you in the face because I just like, I can't, or like, it's like, I can't even like think about what I want to say. And I don't find it to be a very productive meeting. Um, 
gosh, love him, but you know, it's, it's a special thing to be in business with your husband. Um, that's a whole other story, but I noticed that when I would have those meetings during, um, follicular or ovulatory, they were more productive, um, you know, just better, more higher strategy than if I was to have it during my menstrual phase or what have you. And so it's like, last month I scheduled ours during my ovulatory phase. It was a great meeting. He was like, Oh, this is fabulous. And I was like, I know I scheduled it during my ovulation. Like you're welcome. Um, and then, you know, the movement piece, it's like, just, I am someone who, you know, in my twenties, I was a cardio fiend that doesn't work for me anymore. Like me and intensity broke up a long time ago. Like we're no longer friends. Um, but even like, as I've gotten, even as I've gotten into weight training, um, and I don't do like high intent, I don't do hit at all, but I do lift weights, but I find that there are some of those times in the month where, um, I'm less inclined or I feel less strong or, um, so I really did give myself a break when I was kind of practicing this stuff, like towards the end of my luteal and then into menstrual, I was like, I'm just going to, there's going to be days where I'm not going to exercise at all. And I'm going to rest. And I didn't schedule any meetings or calls or whatever. And that was game changing because I think you're so right in this perfectionist hustle and grind culture. Like you just feel like you have to kind of bring a hundred percent every single day. And then you beat yourself up when you don't feel like you can. And so, um, I think that understanding this information is just, it's permission, right. To like take those breaks when you need it. It's permission. And, and it's definitely something I still struggle with, you know, to give myself those breaks, but it's, I'm always reminded. It's like, almost like, okay, if the first 30 years of my life, I was reminded that hustle equals success. Then I'm like in the last three years, since adopting this kind of information, learning that I actually get like rest is productive. Like, mm-hmm that rest actually allows me to show up more fully to be more relaxed, to have better, um, conversations with people to be fully present on a podcast. You know what I mean? Like there's so many, so many benefits to it as well. And, um, we just are kind of weight papers and and we have to remember that. Um, and yeah, ask for for asking for a support. Like, you know, if you have a child, like, can your husband, take care of them for a few hours when you're on your menstrual cycle, or can you get a babysitter or can you, you know, push an important meeting a couple of days or any small things. Like it doesn't have to be like your whole life shuts down when you have your period, but like, could it be that you schedule a massage for yourself? You know, something where you're just kind of giving back to yourself, um, and, and sticking to it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Mm No, that's really cool. Um, so is this something that I know you said that you kind of like to, with your clients kind of build that foundation first on those other kind of pillars of health, but do you find you you're guiding your clients through this method? Um, or do you find that you're kind of focusing more on like the gut health, the gut healing, um, the stress management piece, what have you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, think that the most, you know, most of the people that come in are dealing with quite a heavy load of symptoms. Um, my typical client is not someone who's just like, I want to learn about, um, syncing with my cycle. They're like, I want to learn that, but I'm bloated, fatigued, my hair is falling out. And I like, I'm so depressed, you know? So, um, so typically a larger, 
like part of the program and the one-to-one work or the work with, I have a support coach as well is going to be on those other things. So building nutrition, sleep, um, and doing the protocols and then the emotional processing work. If, if someone's open to that, um, and then towards the end, when we're talking about like, where do I go from here now that I'm healthy, we might start to involve that. Now I do, we do touch on it in group calls because everyone is in a different place in their journey and they want to learn more. And because I think just what we talked about is really important for them to know, because a lot of what's driving the anxiety and the gut issues for them is Mm -hmm. this feeling of needing to be perfect and to hustle. So we need Mm -hmm. to talk about how like we are changing and what that looks like, um, during the program. Yeah. But I just don't, I guess I just don't do the, I teach them the food part of it, but I usually the people that I'm working with do are kind of like in the place where they need to do like a, you know, an elimination of some sort of inflammatory foods for a little while and then reintroduce those. And, and so like adding another layer might be a little confusing. Um, but I do encourage them to like, listen to their bodies. Like, for example, like you will not find me eating like a steak usually during ovulation. Cause it just doesn't feel good. But during, right. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. where's that, you know, where's that steak? Um, yeah. so I do encourage them to like, understand that and listen to it, but I try to just help them not put it as an extra stressor because I think a lot of the people that come in are just really stressed out. Yeah. So talking about nutrition in general, not like cycle syncing aside though, but like where, if someone comes to you and she's very symptomatic with some of those things that you listed, like bloating, um, mental health, hair falling out, et cetera, where is the gap in the nutrition? Like in terms of, um, how she is incorporating food into her life and then where you would like for her, where you end up kind of getting her, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, this is obviously a broader generalization of like right. what I see overall. I think most women are not eating enough mm-hmm. um, and they're not eating enough protein. I know mm-hmm. I mentioned that earlier, but like, if you think about mental health, like our amino acids are what make up our brain chemicals. So you only get those from protein. So like you're yeah. born with whatever your genetics are for your brain health there. And then from there it's protein and it's our, you know, working on the mindset. Right. So I, 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 <laughs> Last week I was talking to a client and I was like, I want you to try to eat like 30 grams of protein per meal. And that's like about a palm size of protein. And she was like, oh my God, I think I'm eating that per day. And oh my gosh, she's depressed and she's anxious and she's fatigued. And I'm like, I just don't think you're getting enough, you know? Um, so I think that that's like a really big missing component. I think, um, I think some people, I think most people are getting out of this, but a lot of people are kind of scared of fat. So like, mm, yeah. Scotty fishes, nuts, um, olive oil. Like those are even butter, grass fed butter. If you can tolerate it, those are great things to eat (laughs) for the female body. Um, and then I would say, you know, I have not had a client yet who can really tolerate gluten. Well, Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably the hybridization and all the chemicals that are on there. So I usually will try like an experiment with that, um, to go gluten-free to see how that works. And then just kind of seed oils and stuff like that, like getting that, the crowding that stuff out. And I, I see a lot of great results, um, just with that. Normally, if someone's fully autoimmune though, we might do like the AIP. Um, but I feel like that, and then of course, I mean, I didn't mention this, but of course, like all the antioxidants that are in our plant food, 
Like yeah. we are missing that. And a lot of people are just like maybe having one vegetable per day when we need way more than that. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so those things really make a big difference in our mental health and our physical health. Um, and then everyone's a little different. Like I have people who have SIBO and, and different stuff going on with their gut that they might need to like do a different type of elimination diet short, short term, um, yeah. those results. But that's from a nutrition perspective, what I see makes the most difference and just trying to be gentle with ourselves as we learn how to eat enough. Yes. And you hear that a lot, um, especially like on the not eating enough and not eating enough protein. So, um, you know, and I, again, I've told the story before, but I started to pay attention to, um, back in the winter when I was experiencing some issues and my acupuncturist asked me if I was tracking my food, I told her, no, like I kind of have a history of disordered eating. I don't track anything. I have worn a continuous glucose monitor, but that's about it. Um, long story short, I realized I was not eating enough. So I, uh, and I think that that's just prevalent in our society, giving dieting culture, and we just have to unlearn what we've been taught um, in a society. So I would be curious, like when you kind of see a client, if she writes down what she's eating in a day, what does not enough look like? And then what does enough look like? Ooh, it's going to be different for every, every person. And yeah. I, I don't have my clients track like their macros typically, unless someone's like really wanting to like lose weight. And that's like part of their thing. It's usually not like, just not the first thing that people are coming to me for. Mm -hmm. So, um, typically, um, I'll have them like on a check-in form, I'll have them list out what they kind of ate for the last couple of days, just generally speaking. And from there, if I'm seeing stuff like I had, you know, like chia pudding and like some toast, I'm like, okay, like, let's talk about, you know, you know, yeah. reminder around protein, yeah. um, or whatever. Um, and then I do have a video that they watch at the beginning where I talk about the plate and like making like a quarter of your plate, like the, the protein, and then half of it be like a fibrous vegetable. And then the other quarter of it being like a starchy vegetable, if you can for, for every you know meal or yeah. like, or like rice or something. Um, so that that's typically, you know, how I do it. Um, so that I do it based off of like their, their own visual cues versus, um, tracking macros, unless someone really wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find, I do have, I just, yeah. I mean, so many women dealing with past eating disorders, it's hard to kind of fit that in. Right. Um, and because their digestion's messed up, they don't want to eat that much. Mm-hmm. So as we continue to, there's a fear it, there I've been, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a huge fear. Um, there's, yeah, there's a huge fear. Also, there's just a lot of maldigestion of proteins. So I see a lot of people like going vegetarian mm-hmm. but, and it's because they can't digest their own protein. Yeah. Um, but then so when they, you, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, oh, sorry. What do you do with that? Is it like digestive enzymes? Yeah. Typically, um, like on a GI map, you'll see, um, uh, there's certain markers for protein digestion. So if those are low, we might do digestive enzymes, bitters, apple cider vinegar, um, celery yeah. juice, um, can be sometimes supportive for like stimulating stomach acid. Um, sometimes people take betaine HCL. A lot of times they just need to clear the infections first, but I find like, as we work on the gut, um, and as we add in minerals, because minerals like are the spark plugs of our life. So as we add those in people's, um, digestion and their metabolism turns back on and they're able yeah. to like more. So like, I remember I had this client who like couldn't eat breakfast because she just didn't feel hungry in the morning, which was just a clue to me that like her metabolism was pretty slowed down. 
But mm-hmm. as we went through it, you know, she just started to add like a handful of nuts and then this and that. And then she was able to eat a more healthy, like bigger breakfast over time. So yeah. Like stepping into it too. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. And the thing with the minerals, I feel as if when I started doing IV therapy over a year, I want to say a year and a half ago and getting like regular monthly IVs with some of those things, like I noticed, I couldn't really pinpoint exactly what those positive differences are, but I just know that it's like really helped my digestion even. Um, and yeah, I just feel it's like body composition too. And maybe it's like, that's the inflammation. I don't know, but I I do feel like there's those little like things in your wellness toolkit that, um, like if you wouldn't be able, if you couldn't, you didn't have the resources to maybe work with a practitioner one-on-one, like there are those things that you can do on your own. Um, so just for the sake of time, I know I could seriously sit here and talk to you for another hour, but, um, I saw that you all have a podcast and there's some very informative topics, um, in those conversations. What are some of the things that you've learned in having those conversations that you've kind of begun to apply to your own life? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The podcast has been honestly, like, I feel like I've done the podcast so that I can learn even more. And same. Just- I know. Same. It's like, I don't really know who's listening right now, but um, I'm, like, I'm I don't know sure having a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, um, so some of the ones like where we've had other people kind of come in and, and be, be, uh, on that have been really helpful, um, have been actually one that hasn't released yet was about this binder that I've been taking. Um, um, it's called, uh, Zeo boost or, um, Zeo charge, I believe. And that binder is like so powerful for binding up like heavy metals and histamines. Oh. As I've started to take it, I've like really noticed like my brain working better, my digestion being better, my energy being better. Um, and I really like that product. So that, that one's coming out like in probably in a few weeks or over the summer. Um, and, and I what's like- it called? I can link to it in the yeah. show. Yeah. I'll link it. Um, there's two products, Zeolite and then Zeo charge is his new product. Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm really liking that he goes into extreme detail in the podcast. Um, his name's Jeff. Um, and he talks about like how detox actually works, which is fascinating, mm-hmm. but that's been really helpful because I just have, I know we all have a lot of toxic, toxic load and to, to be able to take something every day that just kind of like lessens that load is really helpful. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I would say, yeah, that one, that one was a pretty big one. Um, I use a product called temp drop that we had them Mm. on the conversation around tracking your menstrual cycle. Now that is something that I think every woman should be doing at least tracking so that you know where you are. Um, love that product too. Um, because they are, like teaching you how to track your cycle, but it's not the basal body thing where you have to put it in your tongue every morning at the same time is a wearable device, which is just oh, so very cool. cool. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. Um, trying to think what else, um, there's been a lot of really good conversations around, um, like the menstrual cycle and like how to support that with different herbs, um, mm. and support there. Um, and, uh, oh, another one that I really enjoyed was we talked about like bounce back culture from postpartum. Uh-huh. I don't have kids and, um, currently no plans to have any, but I work with a lot of women who have child, young children. And I just think that like, they're under so much stress to like bounce back. So it's just oh, yeah. really helpful to like talk about that. Um, 
There was a really good one lot a couple of years ago around fibroid elimination um, and supporting like fibroid uh, from a natural perspective. So I don't know. There's a lot in there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. And I'll link your podcast to the show notes too. But um, I just, I, I love kind of hearing like, cause like you, I feel as if these conversations have just been so informative for me and it just kind of helps to continue to kind of build that wellness toolkit, if you will. And just, um, it's just so fun to kind of like walk away with different information that you can learn to apply to your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that note, I would love to know what actionable steps you think that people can walk away and take from this conversation. Oh man. I think there's, there's a lot, um, right. There's the foundational stuff. I think actually what I just said, like learning how to track your cycle could be really helpful just so you know where you are. So you can yeah. plan it's like you're meeting with your husband at ovulation. Um, yeah. there's, so many ways to do that. um there's a lot of resources on the podcast around that, but temp drop is my favorite by far. Um, and then I would say making sure you're eating enough, um, like enough protein that looks like, you know, three palm size amount of, uh, meat per day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you're dealing with inflammation, which could look like brain fog or fatigue or pain or weight gain, you know, maybe thinking about like, what am I eating that could be inflaming me? Like, I don't think anyone needs to go straight from this conversation to AIP, but maybe like you're eating a lot of sugar or a lot of alcohol, or maybe there's a lot of canola oil in all your processed foods. And could you start to like crowd those out with like some more whole foods, for example, um, And I think, um, you know, we touched upon it, but like, what are the internal stories you're telling yourself? Mm. What is your stress and anxiety coming from? And can you start to, um, investigate that and then build tools, you know, to, uh, that's a bigger conversation, but building some tools to process and then regulate your nervous system. Some of the things we talked about there, I think that's so important. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think with the cycle stuff, you know, once you learn how to track, just, I think what you said is exactly what I do. So I, you know, I eat more in the luteal phase. Cause I know I need more calories yep. and I slow down my exercise and my activities during the menstrual cycle yeah. and during the luteal. Cause I know I'm not going to be as on and I'm not going to be as present and I'm not going to have as much energy. So understanding that and recognizing that you're not a small man, you're a woman and you're powerful and you can use your hormones as a superpower. Um, and so you can regulate those, those kind of parts of your life to, to support you, to make you even stronger and more powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be this like huge overhaul overnight. Like it's just kind of like taking those baby steps to just live more aligned with it. Um, whether that's, you know, taking a work out off of your plate or, um, adding in more raw foods during ovulation and more cooked foods during mention, you know, it's just like those little things. Um, yeah. And I love that. That's a great one. Yeah. Raw foods during, like I might be doing more salads and smoothies during ovulation and I might be doing more cooked greens and cooked veggies during the luteal phase, like menstruation. Right. And that feels really good. If you start to try those things, you'll notice, Oh man, I don't really want this heavy meal during ovulation, but then during your period, you're like, Oh, I just want something warm and nourishing in that sense. Yeah. Well,
conversation. I'm so glad we were able to dive into that a little bit deeper. And I know that I'm able to feel less overwhelmed and walk away with some major takeaways. Um, So before we say goodbye, can you let people know where they can find you? Yeah. Uh, I, everything is she talks health. So if you want to check out the podcast, it's she talks health podcast. If you want to go to the website, um, it's she talks health Instagram, she talks health. Um, you can always DM me if I said something that you need more clarification on, I'm, I'm usually pretty good about responding in my DMS and, um, and you know, that's always open. And if you need help from, uh, the coaching perspective on our website, there's a work with she page and a contact page. So you can reach out. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sophie, for your wisdom and your insight. Um, Been so informative and I'm so glad we were able to connect. Me too. This has been really fun. What a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes, and you can connect with us on Instagram at Healthified and at Gratified. Until next time.